Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right, good morning, everybody. It is awesome to see you. Thank you so much for being here. And when you came in, hopefully you got one of these, this Life is Better Connected card. Anybody get one of these when they came in? I hope everybody did. I just want to encourage you this morning. I know Sam's already talked about it a little bit, but I just want to encourage you to follow these steps, to find a group, to be able to join a group, meet your group. Uh, We have seen such amazing things happen in these groups here at Brazos Fellowship, and we really believe it, uh, that that circles are better than rows. You see our shirts this morning, and uh, rows are great. We're so glad you are sitting in rows and coming to the worship together this morning, but rows are not very conducive for getting to know people and doing life together and having best friends and really connecting. You need time outside of this to be able to do that, and we have found this is an amazing, incredible, powerful complement to what we do on the weekend, so we just encourage you to make time to try that out, check it out uh, starting this week. Now, for several weeks, we've been in this series entitled Half-Truths, where we've been taking a closer look at these really common sayings that people really use all the time, mainly in Christian circles, but really outside of that, I'm sure you've probably heard them uh, throughout your life and throughout your, you know, kind of work week and that kind of thing. They're phrases like this, God helps those who help themselves. Everything happens for a reason. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. God won't give you more than you can handle. Love the sinner, hate the sin. Now, these are used many times by well-meaning Christians. They are used uh, many times uh, as kind of philosophies, even kind of theologies of life. They kind of sort of inform or shape the way we think about God and how we think what he's supposed to do, how he's going to show up or not show up for us. But the problem is that these phrases many times, and I've got a unique vantage point as a pastor, I've seen this happen, have caused a lot of frustration with people. And even at times have caused people to want to walk away from their faith. And the problem, the reason for that is because there's a real problem inherent in each one of them is that at best they're only about half true according to the Bible. And we've been going through each one of them and looking at the part that's true and the part that is an untruth and trying to help you to delineate what is actually true about the topic, the issue, because each one raises a really important, very powerful principle and theological point, and we need to talk about every single one of these. So that's what we've been doing over these last few weeks. If you've missed any of those, you can catch them on our website, brazosfellowship.com. I just want to encourage you to go back and check those out if you did miss them. Um, But the reason this is so important is because what we believe, it impacts and informs our behavior. What we believe will lead to our behavior. Our behavior always comes from our beliefs. And that's true not just of you, but anybody you ever meet. Whether you agree with their behavior, you're so thankful for their behavior, it all comes from a belief system. And when we misbelieve, it leads to misbehaving. And the reason that's so powerful and such an important thing to keep in mind is because our behavior, all of our behavior carries with it consequences that we have to live with for the rest of our lives. So when we think about 
the times where we have regretted the most our behavior that has come out of our life, it usually came from a belief system. And it's important for us to back up and take a look at some of these beliefs and what is true and what's not true about it. So this week, as we get started, I want to ask you to think about a time in your life where you've been going through something really difficult, painful, heartbreaking, struggling, where you feel like, I don't even know if I can go on. And maybe you had somebody come to you that, again, well-meaning individual, and they're trying to encourage you, and they say, hey, I know you're going through a heartbreaking situation. I know you feel like you can't take much more, but don't worry, because God won't give you more than you can handle. Have you ever had anybody say that to you, and you wanted to hit them, maybe a little bit, okay? (laughs) God won't give you more than you can handle, and you may be thinking to yourself, oh, what I could handle was way back there. Like, I've passed that a long time ago. I don't even know what, what, what's keeping me, sustaining me right now. I'm like way in over my head. I feel way overwhelmed. Or maybe you use some version of this with somebody else. Again, you're hoping to encourage, not frustrate the person, but many times it does frustrate them. They're thinking, well, what gives, God? Why are you doing this to me? Why are you putting this on me? Why are you making this happen? And this is so hard. I don't know how to handle it. And it's caused all kinds of frustration for a lot of people. But it's important for us to get clear on what does God allow and not allow in our life for us to handle and not handle. And another way of saying that is, is it true that God will allow that God will allow any circumstance of life to be more than we can handle, according to the Bible. Will God, um, uh, pardon me, God will not allow any circumstance of life to be more than we can handle. Is that true, according to the Bible? And the answer to this is, absolutely, sort of. Okay, (laughs) it's about 50% true. So here's what I want to do. I want to, over the next few minutes, just talk about the part that's true, That is absolutely true, and I'm going to show you in the Bible where it's true. And then I want to talk about the untruth and kind of the wrong conclusion that we come to many times and how it's really hurt people. It's really frustrated them. And we're going to end on some, I believe, really powerful truth for our life today that I think can really make a huge difference in your life going forward. And I think may even set some people free to be able to get the help and to make a difference in their life that they've been needing for some time. So let's start with the truth. Here's the truth about this idea, can God, will God give you more than you can handle? The truth is, God promises a way out of temptation. His promise, as we're going to look at in just a minute, in the book of 1 Corinthians, or this letter of 1 Corinthians, is that he's going to keep temptation from becoming more than you can bear or more than you can handle. Now, before we dive into that passage, I'm going to give you a little backstory. I think it's important to understand the audience and the reason why. Like, why is Paul writing this letter? What's going on? He's writing this letter to a group of Christians, new Christians, here in the city of Corinth, which is a, a Greek city that's right on the uh, edge uh, of the sea there. It was a port city where all manner of people and cultures from all over the world came into the streets of Corinth. And as a matter of fact, Corinth had a reputation for if they say, oh man, you're living like a Corinthian. When the Romans would use that phrase, it meant drunkenness and sexual immorality. Because the city was full of all of this pagan idol worship from all over the world that came into Corinth. And it was out of all of this culture that Paul comes in and he begins to help 
share the, the message of Jesus Christ, which was about AD 51, which was maybe, you know, 17, 18 years after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. So there's a lot of people walking around that still had seen, they witnessed the resurrected Jesus. So it was easy for him to begin to share, yes, Jesus did resurrect from the dead, and, and people became, became followers of Jesus Christ. And in that culture where they had been a part of all of this idol worship, and even more than that, they, there was all this sexual immorality because one of the big parts of their religious life there in Corinth was at the shrine of Aphrodite, which was the Greek goddess of love, where sexual prostitution was just a part of the culture. Like everybody would just participated in this. So now you've got all these Christians that are now trying to follow Jesus. They're surrounded by all kinds of temptations. Maybe some of you can say, I can relate. I feel like I live in a world with full of temptations. I can't even get on the internet without being tempted with something. Like It's everywhere. This is how they felt. Idol worship. Like You couldn't even go to the meat market and buy meat without finding meat that was probably offered as an animal sacrifice to some idol. And they would buy this meat, and it, many times it was really hard to get away from the idol worship. And they were struggling with the idol worship and with the sexual promiscuity, and so they were trying to break free of this. And in the middle of all of that struggle, Paul says, let me give you some encouragement. Let me show you how God functions in the middle of a society like that. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 Here's what he shares with them. And I'd like for you to read these highlighted words with me. He says, no, so no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. The temptation you face, in other words, is common to everybody. Everybody is facing this kind of stuff at varying degrees in different places. But don't feel like you're unique. This is, this is something everybody has to go through. And God is He's faithful. How is he faithful, Paul? He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can beyond what you can bear. God's saying, I know how much you can bear. I'm going to make sure that your temptation doesn't go beyond that. But also you need to understand there's another part of this. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a a way out, an exit ramp, if you will. He's going to provide a way out so that you can endure it. So this is so incredibly important, what he promises here, that this is what God does in the face of temptation in your life and in mine. What he does not say is that God will never allow you to face anything that you can't handle. What he does say is that when it comes to handling temptation in life, God says, I'm going to help you, and I'm going to provide you a way out. I'm going to provide an exit, an exit door and exit ramp. I'm going to let you be able to get out, but you got to look for the exit, and you have to trust me, and you have to trust my word, and you have to be willing to take the exit, right? Let me give you, I want to give you three truths about temptation from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, that I think could be very, very helpful to you. So here's the first one. The first one is, the devil can't make you do anything. Many times, we tend to blame the devil. And sometimes, yes, we are tempted by the devil. Jesus was very clear about this. He was real open about, you do have an adversary. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He's an accuser. Absolutely. But you need to know, he can't make you do anything. He can tempt you. He's going to try to make you feel like there is no way you can resist 
that you need to understand that resistance is not futile. Resistance is not futile. As a matter of fact, not only is it not futile, it is absolutely essential to you overcoming temptation to do things you know are going to destroy your life. They're going to destroy your marriage. They're going to destroy your ability to, to be the mom, the dad for your kids that, that they need from you, to be able to have a relationship with God that's going to flourish. There's temptations to step off that path and to go off the rails. Resistance is not futile. And finally, number three, is that you can overcome temptation. You can overcome. It's not futile. You can do this. God's saying, I am giving you the strength. I'm going to give you the opportunity. I'm even going to give you the exit to help you to overcome whatever it is you're facing right now. And that many times we tend to blame God for these things. We tend to say, God, how could you let me be tempted like that? How could you let me be a part of this? How could you let this happen to me? That is so important for us to understand the real problem here. The problem isn't that God fails to provide a way out. The problem isn't that God fails to uh, give us a way out of the temptation. It is that uh, out of our temptation, it's that when a way appears, we usually don't want to take the exit. We usually don't want to. Let's be honest. It's just easier to just say, no, I mean, next time. I don't think I really want to do this. It's not that God hadn't provided an exit. I bet if you could think back on a time that you regret in your life, a night you probably should not have gone out on, a spring break that you maybe should have had different plans, a, a date with an individual that you probably like, I knew that was going to be trouble before I ever went out. I, shouldn't, I should have thought. You know what? There, if you think early on in the story, there was an exit somewhere. You just didn't take it. I didn't take it. We've all had those moments where we said, oh, I'm not going to take this. I'd rather not. And then later, because of our behavior, we reap the consequences, ramifications, consequences of our actions, and it's painful. It's suffering. It's hard. It, you're, some of you are living in the middle of that right now. Years later, you're still living in the backwash of the consequences because you didn't take the exit. And sometimes we get so frustrated, we want to pin that on God and say, God, how could you do this to me? Why would you do this to me? And, and it's so important in those moments to get our thinking and our speaking correct. As a matter of fact, the half-brother of Jesus, James, says in James chapter 1, verse 13, he says it's so important when you're talking about God and temptation to get it right. Here's what he says. When tempted, no one should say, and isn't it true what we say comes from what we believe? He says, no one should say, God is tempting me. God is tempting. He says, don't say that because it's not true. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does, anyone, nor does he tempt anyone. He doesn't tempt. He's not tempted. This is not him at work. But here's what's really important to understand about God, and this is a, an important delineation. God does not tempt. He doesn't entice. He doesn't lure. He doesn't try to seduce us to sin at all, ever. But God, however, does allow us to be tested. James is very clear about that. And he says, and it's through the testing of your faith where God will allow us to be tempted. It's not coming from him, but he's allowing us to be tempted. Sometimes it is from the devil. Sometimes we do that real good all on our own. 
You know what I'm talking about? Like we can do that without anybody's help. We can be tempted, right? That's just uh, up the, but he's saying, listen, wherever that's coming from, you need to understand God is using this as a test to get you to depend more deeply and more completely on his son, Jesus Christ, and on the words of Jesus Christ. I want you to come through stronger. James even goes on to say that it's the testing of your faith that produces endurance so that you would be complete, that you would be full, not lacking anything that this is how God grows us spiritually. He allows us to go through testing, and sometimes a part of the testing is temptation, but he will always provide a way out, and that he will be there to keep it from being more than you can bear, so resistance is not futile. You can overcome, and he's going to help you. And it's so important that we hold on to that truth because I have to believe in a room this size with this many people in it, there are many people in this room that are struggling and failing at some temptation. They're falling. That's maybe you. And it's time for you to to have some honest gut level prayer with God before we get out of here today and just say, God, I need you to show me where you've been providing an exit and I just haven't been taking it. And I'm going to commit now, today, this Sunday, to start taking that exit. And I'm going to start today, part of taking the exit is stop putting yourself in the situation where you fall. Don't get around. If you know this certain group of people always tempt you to do certain behavior that you're going to regret later, you need to get some new friends, okay? It's time to change your environment. It's time to change. And this is a great time to do it right on the front end of the, the, uh, the semester to, to begin new habits, new approaches, And this could be an absolute game changer for you to begin to take this truth and apply it to your life today. The truth is that God doesn't keep you from having more than you can handle, but when it comes to temptation, he says, I'm not going to allow you to be tempted more than you can bear. And when you are tempted, I'm going to provide you a way out. Here's the untruth that many times is latched onto that is a lie that God will never let you face, God will never let you face so much that you need help handling it, right? That's not true. There is this feeling sometimes or things that is sort of said or unsaid. Sometimes it says, well, if you're suffering and you're going through a hard time and you're really going through difficulty right now, it must be your fault. You must have done this to yourself, And have you ever had that? Well, you're going through it, and somebody is saying, listen, I know you just lost somebody you loved, a friend, a family member. Maybe it was your child. Somebody just broke your heart, took off on you with somebody else. They lied to you. They stole your money. You're going through a financial crisis right now, and you don't even know how you're going to make ends meet. You've been sick for a long time, and you're trying to recover. You, you don't even know how you're going to make it through. You're struggling like crazy. And somebody says to you, but don't worry. Don't you know God's not going to give you more than you can handle? And you want to say, are you kidding me right now? Are you serious? This is so frustrating for somebody to just say that. And, and how this creeps into the Christian community sometimes is this, this idea that you should feel ashamed or you should feel guilty or you should feel embarrassed if you need to ask for help, if you need to ask somebody to come alongside you and to help you. And this is where the stigma has come from when it comes to like going to a counselor. It's so silly. 
When you're sick, you go see a doctor, right? That's how you get better, quicker. You go to a counselor. You go to somebody that's got wisdom that knows how to navigate these tricky and difficult waters of marriage, parenting, whatever. You go seek out counseling. But many times, sometimes you're treated like, oh, you can't handle your life? Well, don't you know God won't give you more than you can handle? You must be doing something wrong. You know, like... You're made to feel bad, guilty, embarrassed, like you're doing something wrong, but my goodness, that is not at all what we see in Scripture. We see people like godly people that are not perfect, but crying out for God's help and seeking other people's help all the time. It's incredible. See, the truth is that we will all face more than we can handle. That's why God offers to be our help and our strength, and I want to show you where he does that right now, that God offers to be our help and our strength. In the first place is in Psalms chapter 46. Let's see here. Psalm 46, verse 1. And this is where David, King David, is pouring out his heart. He's gone through a difficult time. There were different points in his life where he was the subject of a manhunt. These trained, hired killers that were coming after him wanted him dead there's other times when his own son was coming after him. He's gone through some horrific times. And he says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present, let's say it together, ever-present help in trouble. He's like, I've learned this and I want you to know this, that God is our strength. He is our help. And that the truth is we're all going to go through times where it feels like trouble Man, that word right there encapsulates a time when he was overwhelmed, where life felt like more than he could handle. Another time, maybe the most famous psalm that David ever wrote was Psalm 23. And right in the middle of Psalm 23, David lays it out this way. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Think about that metaphor right there. I think that might be the most powerful metaphor for a season of life that you and I go through that we can't handle, right? If somebody says, I'm right in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death, you don't think, I'm winning at life, right? You think, (laughs) struggling. I am not, this is not, I mean, he he beautifully paints a picture that we can all relate with and go, oh my gosh, I set up shop down there one time and didn't come out for months. Like that's, I've been there. I know what you're talking about. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why, David? For you are with me. He's talking to God. This is a prayer. You are with me. I want you to see, David doesn't expect not to go through the valley of the shadow of death. He expects to go through it but he expects to go through it with God. Just having God in your life does not exempt you from the valley of the shadow of death. It does not exempt you from times in your life that you can't handle. You need him. He is your strength. He is your help. And you need to cry out to him just as David did. And when we come to the New Testament, 1 Peter Chapter 5, verse 7. I love this when First Peter lays this out. Peter, you know, he was this really great follower of Jesus Christ, but he's probably most famous for denying Jesus on the night that he was crucified three different times in front of a teenage girl. I mean, it was, it was not his best moment, right? But Jesus forgave him and reinstated him as a disciple. 
And he goes on to become this amazing man of God. He leads the church in Jerusalem through all kinds of persecution. And eventually, personally, Peter, we're told this by church history, he was crucified upside down because he said, I'm not worthy to die like my Lord. Like, that's courage. That's amazing, the the way he lived. And here's what he says about when you're feeling overwhelmed, and, and, and right now in this country, anxiety, panic attacks, epidemic proportions. Even among college students, everybody's struggling with this, a feeling just overwhelmed, this feeling of like, I can't handle life. He's saying, let me show you what you do when that happens. Cast all your your anxieties on him because he, he cares for you. You need to know God loves you, and you can cast all that stuff on him. You, can, man, you, you may need to just start carving out time every day. I do. I, I tell you, it's so valuable to begin to just give him your anxieties, your fears, your struggles, where you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, where trouble has come to visit you, and, it, it, and you don't know how to get through it. It is difficult, but you need God's help. And what's beautiful is that God will certainly help you in a direct connection kind of way, but God many times chooses to work and move through his people to answer these prayers, to provide help, that we've got to be open and willing to receive help from others in order to get through some of the most difficult times of our life. One of the, uh, or two of the people that taught me this lesson the best, that continue to teach it to me, two of the most heroic Christians I know, is Jason and Carrie Segner who attended this church for years, and, and God called them into a ministry out of Brazos Fellowship to Uganda, Africa, to go to a, an area where malaria is one of the number one killers of people, and especially in children. 42 children a day die from this disease that could be cured by less than $1 worth of medicine. And Carrie and Jason said, we can do something about that. And we're going to do it as we share the love of Jesus and the message of Jesus' gospel with people. And they have been some of the most remarkable, incredible hands and feet of Jesus anywhere I've ever seen. That Here's a group of people that have more than they can handle, and we're going to come in and help them handle it in the name of Jesus. Jason put together a video this week that I want to share with you just as a way to say thank you. Our church has sponsored and supported them since they first moved over there. I want want you to take a look at this word from Jason. Howdy from Uganda. I'm Jason Segner with Healing Faith, and I want to take this opportunity to say thank you to the congregation for the prayers and support of our family and the work being done here in Uganda. The full impact is hard to put into words. Countless lives have been impacted families have been given hope and the tools necessary to fight malaria. Through July of this year alone, Healing Faith has been able to double its staff, double its operations, and more importantly, double its impact in the lives changed. Through our education team, the Malaria Center, and the Island Outreach Team, Healing Faith has tested over 10,000 patients for malaria. 61% of those patients tested positive and were able to receive the life-saving treatment through medication and education. The education team has also distributed over 4,000 life-saving mosquito nets. While we're making an impact in the fight against malaria, each patient, each household, each community serves as an opportunity for Healing Faith to share the love of Christ with the people of Uganda. I have some exciting news to share. Through your support, Healing Faith is continuing to grow and expand. 
Behind me is the site for Malaria Center 2. This empty sugarcane field is going to be the home of our second malaria center, where it will provide more opportunities to fight this deadly disease, to provide education, and more importantly, to show the love of Christ with the people of Uganda. We at Healing Faith just want to thank you for your support. Thank you. Yeah, so it was really cool this week as I talked to Jason, we were emailing and he shared with me an incredible story. There's this uh, Ugandan woman named Apio that works with their ministry and she goes and stays overnight, part of her job to go stay overnight with people who need more intensive care uh, that are trying to fight off this disease. And um, she recently stayed overnight and was staying with this mother who is a Muslim and her child that had come to the clinic. And after a day or so, she just said, why are you showing me so much love? Why are you staying with me to make sure my baby is okay? This is so uncommon. I've never seen anything like it. And Apio got to just share about her relationship with Jesus Christ and how God had changed her life through Carrie and Jason Segner and how they had poured into her and how the Lord had changed her life. And she said, so it is my privilege to serve you because my Lord has changed my life forever. And this woman says, I don't know your God, but any God that would send his people to serve and love other people, even people of other faith, I want to hear more about this Jesus. I want you to share with me more about this Jesus. And this woman has started praying to Jesus, and she's had an opportunity to share her faith with her and slowly seeing her life radically change. And Jason says, this is why we exist. And we have these stories happen almost every single week here at Healing Faith. And it just makes me feel so honored that we get to partner with a group of people that don't look at a mother and her child like that and say, well, don't worry. God won't give you more than you can handle, right? <laughs> like, what? Oh, my gosh. But they look at it and say, no, God sent us here because you do have more than you can handle. And we're here to help you handle it. We're here to help you to have an extended life and your baby will be okay. And it's incredible that we here, even here in the Brazos Valley, get to do that for each other. That's what our church is here to do, to be able to come alongside and help people every single day. We need each other. We need to work together. And God uses his body to help reinforce and strengthen the other members of the body. In Romans chapter 12, verse 5, here's what Paul said. He said simply, so in Christ, though many form one body... And each member, let's say it together, belongs to all the others. That we belong to each other. We work best when we work best together. And I just want to end with this truth. The truth is that God will help you to handle all that you have been given. God's promise is that he will help you with that. And so today, if you are facing temptation... I want to just challenge you today that you would pray, trust God with that temptation and say, God, show me where the exit is and help me to have the strength, the help to start to take it more than I ever have before. And if you are going through a struggle, a difficulty, kind of a hell on earth, valley of the shadow of death moment right now, I just want to encourage you to cry out to God. You need to know he is here. He loves you. And it is okay. He wants you to admit, I can't handle this. I need help, God. When you're sick, you go see a doctor, right? It's okay to ask for help from a counselor. 
You need help from family and friends. You need help from your church family. You need help from your small group family. This is what we're here to do, to help carry each other through some of the most painful and difficult times of life because simply there's no other way to do it. This is the way he designed it, that God has provided. This is how he helps us to handle the stuff that we can't handle on our own. It's through him and through his people. And maybe today it's time for you to ask for help. It's not in your nature to do that. And maybe part of it is God wants to use you to show help to someone else that you know is hurting right now, and you just hadn't had the courage to say, how can I help? Let me serve you. Let me help you through this time. Please let me help you. And right now, here's the prayer I want to ask you to pray with me as we close out our service. It's simply saying, Jesus, when I'm tempted, I choose to take the exit you provide. You may allow me to be given more than I can handle, but you always offer to help me handle all that I've been given. I accept your help where I am overwhelmed, stressed out, anxiety-ridden, valley of the shadow of death. I'm in trouble right now. Where is that for you? Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.